Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. For the next two weeks, Pardes is bringing Purim to you. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We now come to our final episode, number 10 in this series, and I confess it's one that uh, I'm not sure I fully understand yet. And maybe one of the reasons I want to put this out there is to hear your feedback and get your thoughts. Uh, we're going to do a piece from the Sfat Emet, Rabbi Huda Aryeh Leib, the Ger Rebbe, 19th century Hasidic figure, uh, very famous for his uh, grashot and his commentary on the Torah. And he also includes a uh, commentary on Chagin. And he's talking here in this piece about the establishment of Purim as a day of feasting, or days of feasting, to be more precise. And then he goes on to say, and I'm going to translate this for you, it seems that these days are about the fixing, the tikkun, the aspect of our bodies. It is a time where we perfect, achieve wholeness with our bodies. As we find by Rachel, that Rachel, the Midrash says, Tafsa Pelach Shtika. It's a very famous Midrash that says Rachel was outstanding in her ability to remain silent, as opposed to Leah, who was outstanding in her ability to give voice to gratitude. That's the Midrash, at least. And the Midrash is, of course, building on Rachel staying silent and allowing her sister Leah to marry uh, Jacob and kept that secret. And it goes on to say, V'chein Binyamin, who is Rachel's son, Yasfa ve'eno magid. Binyamin's uh, gemstone in the breastplate of the Kohen was said to be Jasper, Yasfa. And there is a play on words here in the Midrash, V'chein Binyamin, Yesh Peh. Yasfa is the same letter as Yesh Peh. Binyamin has a mouth, ve'eno magid. And he didn't reveal the secret. Binyamin, as Rachel's son, was also outstanding in silence. He didn't tell Jacob about the brothers selling Joseph. He kept silent for the sake of his family, like his mother kept silent for her sister. And then, of course, this concludes with the chain ein Esther Magedet, right? Esther was also outstanding in her silence. She didn't reveal that she was Jewish. So there's this idea here that all three of these figures were outstanding in their ability to keep silent. He goes on to quote the rabbinic text, the Ita, and we find, Lo matzati laguf tov mishtika. There's nothing better for the body than silence. And here he, uh, he is connecting the value of being able to stay silent with an ability to perfect the body. Shazot he tikkun haguf for this indeed is how the, the body is fixed, and that is through silence. And wine itself is an allusion to this. Dita, as we find in the rabbinic text, that voice and speech are good in the processing of uh, incense. They are not good for wine. And here he makes another brilliant reference to the Mishnah Menachot, where the Mishnah says that the Gizbar, the temple treasurer, Moshe Chayayin Bishtika, he would measure or pour out the wine with silence. He would use a rod to hit the barrel, but he wouldn't use his voice because the Gemara over there says that the voice is harmful for wine. That somehow the making of wine voice distracts as opposed to the making of incense where voice is helpful. 
And then he goes on to build from there, as we find, and then he quotes the Gemara in Yoma, where Rava said, Wine and incense both make me wise. But his point is here, there are different types of wisdom. The Nireh, he says, it appears that there are two types of wisdom. The wisdom of the mind and the higher element of the soul is reflected in Reach, is reflected in the scent, in, in incense and spices. Uh, as it is said, that there is something that the soul benefits from and not the body, and that is a good smell. And this is also reflected, he says, in voice and in speech of Torah and prayer, that this brings forth the power of the soul. But there's also a wisdom, he says, that comes to the perfection of the body, that wine makes the body wise. And it is expressed through the power of silence which is the perfection of the body through limitation and the withholding of words so as not to give the body a power over the soul. And thus, through this act of limitation and self-control, one is able to require wisdom and the soul becomes a vessel for wisdom. And he goes on to say that Mordechai had both powers, both capacities, he both reflects the power of Yehuda through Leah, the power of giving voice to gratitude, the coal of Yehuda, the voice of Yehuda. And he is also Mordechai ben Yemini. He is a son of Binyamin, which means he has the power of silence and the power to perfect his body. And I think there's a very powerful message here. The wisdom of the body for the Svat and Met is reflected through Purim is the wisdom of sort of self-control and limitation. That the wisdom of the body, of being in a body, is to understand boundaries. Our body is what separates us from the world, that defines us as being other. And the wisdom of the body is sort of knowing our place in the world, both our limits in the world, our boundaries in the world, and also our capacities in the physical world. That the wisdom of the body is understanding this unique combination of both power and limitation all at the same time. That the wisdom of the soul and the soul's wisdom is, is like a, a touching of the infinite. It escapes boundaries. It's, it's, it's almost unlimited spirituality. It's reminiscent of the piece we did last time that our soul's ability to touch or connect to the infinite power of godliness. But the body is about limitation. The body is about withholding. It is about a wisdom of silence, a wisdom of knowing our limits and our place in the world. And the Svatimet is telling us this This is expressed through the physicality of Purim, that in an ironic way, the feasting of Purim is a recognition that we are bodily creatures. We are bound and limited and encapsulated in our bodies. And we ignore that at our peril, that our spiritual growth is not found through ignoring or denying our bodily presence, but rather embracing our bodily existence, embracing both the limitations and the wonders of what it means to be a bodily creature. And it is only when we appreciate the body as a vessel and its importance as a vessel, can we then move on to the next stage of spiritual growth? And I think he would say this is reflected in the, sort of the order of the festivals. 
he goes on to describe Purim as the bodily acceptance of the Torah, that whereas in the time of Harsinai, God had to hold a mountain over our heads, is because our souls were grasping and yearning for Torah, but our bodies weren't ready. They had to be coerced. We were dualistic creatures where we had these super excited and spiritually empowered souls, but our bodies weren't ready. And in Purim, we accept the Torah with our bodies. We accept the Torah as bodily creatures, as physical creatures. And this is the proper order of things. That first we perfect our body, and then at Pesach, which is a holiday of, of speech of the Haggadah, we perfect our intellect. And then ultimately we come into Shavuot with souls ready to, in a way, maybe transcend both the physical and the intellectual for something purely spiritual and transcendent. But we can't overcome the order of things. We have to appreciate and perfect our physicality, which is why Purim is such a holiday of great physical celebration of the drinking of wine and the eating of good food and the sharing of our food and the giving of staka, which is the the seeing to the material, physical needs of those around us, that it is a holiday that embraces our physicality, that uh, understands that until we accept the Torah as physical bodies, we cannot go on to the spiritual side of Torah. And I think it's such an empowering uh, message of Hasidut that we're not meant to transcend our physical existence, rather meant to see it uh, as part of our process that appreciating ourselves as embodied creatures in our physicality is an important step in our physical growth, both in understanding the limitations of our bodily existence as expressed through our ability to stay silent and the incredible work that our bodies have to do uh, in accepting a life of Torah and mitzvot and this worldliness. And that Purim uh, is not meant to be a drunken uh, stupor, but rather a celebration of our physicality in turning that physicality in the most positive direction that we can. To celebrate the physical, sensual joys that we have and seeing them as part of a framework of ultimate spiritual growth. So I want to thank all of you for joining me on this journey. Maybe you'll let me know if there are other thinkers that you think should be included or we should explore for next time. Hopefully you'll find something in all the different thinkers that we've looked at to find a point of inspiration and real growth that our holidays offer us. So I want to wish all of you a wonderful, joyous, and meaningful Purim, and just that Purim will be part of your yearly spiritual journey of growth and insight and joy. Thank you for joining me. Thank you to our Pardes faculty, and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning and visit www.pardace.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardace.